Hi, and welcome to the Southern Connecticut Church of Christ podcast. We've provided a collection of sermons, our midweek lessons, music, and many more tools to help you grow in your walk with God. We are living in an unprecedented and challenging time, but we invite you to listen in and be encouraged as we fight through this together. Be sure to subscribe and feel free to share this podcast with your friends and loved ones. Thanks for listening. Good morning. Guys, hear me okay? All right. The calling. Oh, by the way, we have our Christmas service coming up this Sunday. So let your family know it's going to be amazing. It's going to be awesome. Uh, I wanted to give something away. You never know what you're going to get up here, you know. All right. Hey, teens, how's it going? You know, good to see you guys. All right, so this is uh, the, the title of today's message is The Calling. Uh, it's The Calling. The Calling refers to an invitation. Uh, refers to an invitation. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Patrick. Uh, my amazing wife and I, we serve in our youth and family ministry, which is amazing. And we love the teens. Sometimes they love us back, sometimes not, right? Amen. No, no, no. Yeah, it's amazing. We had an um, awesome Christmas party the other night. I came in with this amazing sweater, and one of the teens asked me, oh, I didn't know it was an ugly sweater party. And I was like, oh, okay, pretty cool, pretty cool. <laughs> no, no, no. It was, it was an ugly sweater, says my wife. So insult on top of injury. <laughs> great, great. All right, so um, invitation, right, this idea of calling. It, it is an invitation, and, but not all callings, not all invitations are the same, right? You know, you get a call from a friend, that's different than a call from a parent, right? That's different than a call from God, right, the Savior of the world. Um, I got into a uh, pretty spirited debate with some of the teens the other night, and uh, it had to do with, you know, if you got a call, for example, from uh, the Milwaukee Bucks, you know, NBA franchise, and oh, I can't even see you through the, the plant here, but I, I would like to look at you to see the shame on your faces when I say this, but so if you, if you got a call from them and they said, hey, listen, we'll give you everything that Patrick has if you can block Giannis Antetokounmpo's dunk. All right. So for those of you that don't know uh, who Giannis is, I'm going to show you guys who Giannis is. Uh, if we could put this on the PowerPoint in a second. The suspense needs to build for this moment. We'll get it. I've been waiting for this moment. All right, we are going to have it. <laughs> All right, yeah, yeah, take your job. So this is how it goes. So we got into this conversation, and one of the teens um, was saying, no, Pat, I could definitely block uh, Giannis's shot. And I was like, no, there's no way you can block Giannis's shot. There's no, there's no chance. And then he said, no, 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 but it's, it's possible. I was like, no, it's, it's actually impossible. That's Giannis dunking on a grown man NBA player, okay? So he's like a, basically a seven-footer seven uh, with crazy athleticism. And this teen is telling me that I could block that shot. And then, then I say to him, well, no, it's impossible. He's like, no, 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 it's not impossible. It's improbable. And I was like, no, I'm arguing it's impossible. But he was like, but even if I did it one in a million times, that's still, I blocked his shot though, right? And I'm like, what I'm saying is, is you have the same likelihood of breathing in space as blocking Giannis's shot. 
And we got into this whole big thing. He's like, Pat, that's crazy. So you don't believe in me? You don't believe I could do this? I was like, I don't know. Do you believe my son, my two-year-old son, Jacob, could block his shot? Like, then, you know. <laughs> so now it became a theological uh, discussion. Uh, but it's just, I wouldn't take that call from the Milwaukee Bucks for two reasons. One is because you're going to get embarrassed uh, by Giannis. And the second reason uh, is because I don't actually own a lot. So whatever you got wouldn't be worth it, honestly. By the way, his name, the, the team that made this argument, his name is Ray Maldonado, if you need his government information. He's not actually in here right now, but we'll be sure to send him this clip. All right, awesome. So the calling, invited by God. We've already established that not all calls are created equal, right? Certain callings um, we should answer. Others we should probably not answer. They're not worth it. And I wanted to talk a little bit today about um, there's this unique calling uh, in the prophet Elijah's life. It's one of the most, like, I resonate greatly with the story of Elijah and just kind of his ups and downs. And by the way, as, as we kind of look into some of Elijah, uh, he's known as the, the greatest prophet. You know, he's known as the greatest prophet in the Bible. But you're going to see a very imperfect, you're going to see a person that goes through a lot. And I just wanted to touch, touch on Elijah for a second in this greater idea of a calling. Um, so in 1 Kings uh, chapter 19, verse 4. It says, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. He was done. He was toast. By the way, he had just, like, destroyed these prophets of Baal in this big showdown. Uh, it, was, it was crazy. He, he was feeling like, I just had a victory. But next thing you know, uh, Jezebel wants, to, wants him dead. And he's just discouraged with the whole situation. And he's just like, I didn't think it was going to go this way, God. Like, I, I thought after the thing that happened with the prophets at Baal, everybody was just going to be like, oh, yes, let's all, like, repent. There's going to be revival, and there's going to be restoration. Next thing you know, people are trying to kill me? Like, <laughs> I, thought, I thought better things were coming, you know, than this right here. And so he sits down. He's like, I'm done. That's a broom bush right there. Like, that's... He sits under it. It's just kind of shady, you know. But he's like, I'm done with this. This is, not, this is not what I thought. And I don't know if you guys can ever relate to that, you know, that, that I'm kind of done. I'm just kind of done. I'm just, I'm just, it's been too much. I can't take another thing. I can't take another situation. Got the holidays. I'm supposed to be happy. I'm actually stressed, you know. And it's just like another thing, another, another strain, another variant. These, so many different things happen. And we just feel like, man, I, I've had enough. I've certainly felt that often. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's something in the holidays, right, like called the holiday blues. Um, it's this persistent and reoccurring feelings of sadness. And this is kind of through November and December. And instead of feeling all of this joy, it can be a time of painful reflection, sadness, loneliness, and anxiety. Like it can be... You know, it's time of rejoice, rejoice, but for many people, it can also be a time of sadness. You know, many, many people also, if it's not sadness, can experience fatigue through this time, right? Just fatigue and, and stress, uh, just of like getting all these preparations, getting everything going. It can be a pretty, you know, stressful time, not to mention the financial stress of like, I've got to get all these gifts and I've got to make this happen, you know. So it can, be a, it can be a challenging time during the holidays. Also, during the winter, and this is, you know, we moved here from Spain where it's like the sun is out until like 10 p.m. You know, people are eating dinner at 8.30 p.m., 9 p.m. 
And we come here, and it's like 5 p.m. The sun goes down. I'm like, what is this? This is, this is terrible, and it's cold, and it's, just, it's not fun in the wintertime here. You know, and, that, and I think a lot of us can feel that because the lack of sun uh, decreases the serotonin, which is this feel-good chemical in your brain, right? So less sunlight means less serotonin. And this can lead to seasonal affective disorder, right? And this, is a, this can be really debilitating. Uh, it can affect your day-to-day life. It can make you feel a loss of joy uh, in a lot of ways. And so we're all, we're all going through a lot of things that we just kind of, sometimes we might want to just throw in the towel. You know, we might just want to say, this is harder than I thought, you know. I, I, feel, I feel very much for uh, the teens in high school, teachers in high school too, because, you know, there's, there's a lot of school violence, right? That's been, that's been going on. And, I, and my heart goes out because this can bring about something called acute stress disorder, and it's just damaging because safety and security is a top priority when it comes to uh, your psychological and emotional development, right? And so, so the idea of I have to be hypervigilant in my environment is a very stressful thing uh, for a teenager to feel like I have to, I'm, I'm aware. I'm more aware of a threat of this than I am aware of like if I turned in my math homework. And that's just not a good feeling, you know, to have. And so they're going through a lot, and the teachers in those places and spaces also have to deal with uh, a great amount of stress. You know, college finals right now, amen? I don't even know if some of you are here. You're, like, here physically, but you might still be, like, taking an exam somewhere else, you know. But that's a lot of stress and anxiety. Uh, Mental health definitely declines uh, in in college, (laughs) in a lot of ways in general. Uh, but also, especially during finals times, and often schools don't do a whole lot to kind of um, bolster that and to try to help, you know, in any way that they can. So uh, it's been a lot. And this was one of the first times, you know, having Jacob, being a new dad, uh, he's two and a half years old now, and, and going through this pandemic and all these ups and downs, it was one of the first times in my life where I actually kind of started, I, like I fantasized a little bit about what if I like went back home, you know, to where I grew up. You know, and I'm not going anywhere, but like, because cause there's a calling, right? So I'm, I'm, I'm here, and I love it, but it was like just the comfort of being with mom. It's like, you know what I mean? There's something like you want to run back to your family. You know what I mean? Because I love, I got a big, crazy Italian family. I love being around them. Uh, it, it's, it's really fun, and it's been like the first time, like, I really was like, man, it's kind of, like, I see why people want to just move and be around their parents, you know? <laughs> like, like, I could use some help with this kid's kid. He's, he's a wild one, you know? But, um, but I think the fact that I went there is because I'm feeling it. You know, the fact my mind went there to that place of like, man, you know, I might, I'm looking for that comfort. I'm looking for that security. I'm looking for that safety. And, um, but I also know that I can, we can all have it in God. Uh, that it is hard right now, and it can be challenging in many different ways. But God still has a calling for us, and sometimes it's not always what you would expect. I think sometimes we hear the call and it's like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to call it. We're going to have to go do so many things. And, 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 and we'll get to all of that. But sometimes it's not, like I said, what you would expect. Remember, when Jesus came, they thought you know, it was this warrior. They were going to establish this kingdom on earth, this physical kingdom on earth. And so when they didn't see this conquering warrior and they saw this, like, suffering servant, they actually kind of missed God's message. They, they missed the calling. And I think we can do the same as well sometimes. So in 1 Kings... Chapter 19, verse 9 through 3, 9 through 13. I'm sorry. I'm just going to read this. You can turn in your Bible as well. Um, 
So 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 9 through 13. And uh, that was our boy Elijah there. So, uh, and the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? So Elijah runs to this mountain, right? He, he runs, he flees, he goes to this mountain after the broom bush. And, God, and the word of the Lord says, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. At the mountain there was the wind, earthquake, fire. And just if you guys think in your, you know, your brain biblical reference, does it remind you of any other story that you're aware of uh, in the Bible? What was that? Moses. Yeah, there it is. So, so check out this story in Moses, and, and I'll explain a little bit why it's, it's really interesting. So in Exodus 19, 16 through 19, so by the way, I don't know if you guys know this, it's the same mountain, right? So Elijah went to the same mountain, Mount Sinai in Horeb, where, where Moses had gone to receive the law of the Lord, right? And so it makes sense why Elijah would flee there because there's a certain comfort in knowing God's presence was, was at, at least I know God's presence was at least once here, right? And so in Exodus chapter 19, 16 through 19, this was much earlier. On the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning. So we got the thunder and lightning. With a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast, everyone in the camp trembled. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it with fire. There's our fire. The smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace, and the whole mountain trembled violently. There's our earthquake. As the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and the voice of God answered him. And what's also really cool about this is that Moses had to turn his back to speak to God because nobody could see God's face and live. And so when Elijah heard the whisper, if you notice, he pulled his cloak up over his face because he also understood that he couldn't see God's face either, right? And so you have these, these parallel passages. So there, it, something is trying to be communicated to us in this story of Elijah because it's too obvious, the references back to the story of Moses, right? So something is trying to be communicated that if you were reading it at that time as a reader, you'd be like, oh, this is, this is fascinating. You would immediately catch on like this is just like Moses. But there's a difference here. There's a little twist here, right? And, and what does that twist represent? Is this like the whisper, right? Is it like the first ASMR that God did, like the, the whisper, right? This is like your spiritual. No. So the difference is this whisper that God had for Elijah. Right? And now many people kind of, kind of discuss, we're not, we're not told in the passage, this is what the whisper means. Right? So many people, and you're invited to also kind of think for yourself too, which is the fun part about reading the Bible, is sometimes it's not ex explicitly stated, you know, what it exactly means. But I'll, I'll share with you a couple of thoughts, uh, a couple of possible interpretations. Is that although there was fire and all these things that represented God's judgment, 
It was, this was more about, hey, let's continue to move. We're, we're not going to judge Israel. We're going to keep helping Israel. Because I'm sure he was done. You know, obviously he was like, listen, everybody abandoned me, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And so this was, so right after this, God asked him to appoint Elisha, right? So through this time of like, we're going to hang in there with these, with these Israelites, okay? This isn't going to be, we're not bringing down condemnation at this point. Uh, another thing could be divine silence does not mean divine inactivity. I don't know if you guys ever feel like God is silent in your life. It doesn't mean that he's not present, right? Silence does not mean he's not there, right? And so this whisper can also be translated as silence also in this text. Um, and also God can speak in reverberating silence that follows tumultuous disaster. You ever been at like a crazy concert? It's just like blaring and then imagine like right after that everything's quiet. That quietness is pretty loud, right? That silence can be loud, and it can say a lot. Um, another possible interpretation is God will speak to Israel in a new way, which could potentially be foreshadowing Christ, right? That previously God came in the earthquake and the fire and all these, like, really strong messages and these miracles and these, but, but in, it, it's kind of foreshadowing in the later days God is going to speak through Christ, right, as a, as a possibility, that there's just going to be this compassionate, gentle servant that comes, like how, as a whisper would come to your life, not, not, not to force you, not to make, not to, not to just impose it on you, not to bring judgment on you, but to invite you through a whisper. And that's what I wanted to kind of focus on today. That's where I go with the passage, that it's so new and so different that it, it has to foreshadow that God has a new way of trying to communicate with us as his people. God invites us all through this new way, through this gentle whisper, through silence, through compassion. And this seems to uh, also be a part of how Jesus comes because his calling is not just, this, it's not just simply a calling to this or that. It's an invitation to a relationship that results in something really, really transformative in your life and my life. Something that we can't really live without. Something that our souls deeply long for, even in the pain that we're currently feeling, Jesus is truly the answer to everything that you might be feeling, everything you might be going through, all the stress in your life, all the anxiety in your life. Jesus truly has an answer for you, and he does not want you to live like that. But so often we can, we can miss the calling, the invitation. We can think, oh, you're just going to make me do so many things. I'm already no, no, no. It's, it's an invitation to this relationship. And so if you read some of these passages, and, and uh, you know, imagine this as a whisper. You know, I'm not a great whisperer, but like John 6, 37 through 38. I feel it's different for a second, right? Just a little bit. And John 6, 37 38. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. Whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. John 7, 37 to 38. Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. I want to yell it. I want to yell it. Rivers of living water will flow within you. Right? Anybody that comes to Jesus, you're just going to be like, and it's, a, it's referencing the Holy Spirit. Like, you're just going to be just embodying this incredible message. Matthew eleven twenty eight. This is my favorite one. I'm going to whisper it so we can all focus. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. 
take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. You will find rest for your souls. Amen, church? Like, that's a gentle, compassionate invitation for you. That's an invitation for all of us. Who doesn't want, you know, to not be burdened? Who doesn't want this gentle and humble Jesus? Like, who doesn't want rest for their souls? Who doesn't want these, this water overflowing from within them? Like, I, I walk around sometimes stressed and, like, I feel just dead inside. I'm like, this is not waters of living. This isn't just outpouring of me. I'm just in this awesome relationship with God. You know why? It's because I didn't believe him when he invited me. I disregarded the invitation on that particular day. I said, you know what? No, you can't give my soul the rest it needs. I know, Jesus, if I go to you, you're going to ask me to do a lot of things. You're going to stress me out more. Whatever the lie is. Right, that we can believe that keeps us from accepting the invitation. You know, it's not, and it's not an invitation to never work. The fact that, that Matthew eleven twenty eight involves a yoke, it does imply part. It implies work, but it also implies partnership. Partnership. The yoke implies partnership. Yoke is something they use for animals. They yoke them together. It implies a partnership in working together with Jesus, which is not burdensome. You know what is burdensome? It's trying to do it by yourself. That's burdensome. So whenever you decide you want to do it by yourself, you want to work by yourself, you don't want to partner with Jesus, you should expect to feel your soul burdened. You should expect to feel it. But if you want... This life that's promised, you have to yoke yourself to Jesus and walk in tandem with him. Amen? You know, do you guys hear that whisper in your life? Do you hear what God is trying to show you? Do you hear the call? Do you find God in silence? Do you find God in quietness? Do you find God, are you willing to see God in new ways and in unexpected ways? Spend some time to think about that and to spend time in, in silence, in quietness, to get in touch with the compassionate God that he is, the gentle Savior that we have. Because maybe he's communicating with you in a way that you're not currently looking for. And I would just say, try to attune yourself to where and how he's trying to communicate with you right now. So we have this call, and what is, our, what is our response, right? This is amazing. Who wouldn't want this? Who wouldn't want to feel like, you know, your soul at peace every day walking around? Who wouldn't want to feel fulfillment in your life, right? And so how do we, it can seem so far away, though, at some time, sometimes, right? So how do we do this? Like, how, what's the mechanisms? And that's, that's where my mind goes. Like, all right, I believe. Like, what do I do, you know, what do I need to do now? So I have some thoughts for that uh, that may or may not help. In John chapter 1, 10 through 12, although I know in some way it will because it's the word of God. Uh, John chapter 1, 10 through 12 says, He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. First of all, it is heartbreaking to come. To, I just can never get over the fact that you come to your own creation only to be rejected by it. Like it's one of the most heartbreaking things I think I could ever read if you really sit and think about that for, for just a little bit. And 
I mean, not only, not only did you not, you didn't even recognize them. You know, imagine coming home after a really long time and, and maybe not even that long if you really think about it. And you come home and then, and then your family and friends, they don't recognize you. You know, how, how hurtful, right, that would be. And that's, that was us. That's us with God, not being able to recognize him. But here's, he came to that which was his own. He said his own did not receive him. But here's this, here's this second option, right, to those who did receive him. Right, this idea of receiving someone, believing in someone. What, is, what, is receive, what does receive mean? Right, so all those are different lines. Sorry, it's a little graphic issue probably. But so to receive what is offered, so not to refuse or to reject. Receive so that we can obey, right? Because so, sometimes you don't understand, like, what, is, what do you mean receive? You know, like receiving somebody into your home is another way to look at it. Admit and receive into your mind. So we see, we see this word used to receive their testimony, like their testimony was received. So you're, you're allowing it to penetrate into your mind. Right, the words of Jesus. Uh, to receive a person, so to give somebody access to you. So if you have trust issues like me, you know, that, that might be hard with anybody, including Jesus. Like to give Jesus access, right, to you in, e in every part of your life. Then it talks about believing in his name. And belief and, and faith, we hear these words, and, and sometimes it's hard to understand. What does it mean to have, like, faith? Do I have faith? And I think a good way to think about it in our lexicon is probably uh, to trust, right? It's think about having faith as I, I'm, I trust you and I'm entrusting myself to you, right? That's a good way to think about faith. Do you trust Jesus? Do you trust that Jesus will do what he said he will do? Because if you trust that, you will follow. Like if you trust that these promises are for real in the Bible, you're not gonna, you're not gonna have a burdened soul, you're not gonna be weary. Like if you trust that, then you'll be willing to put on the yoke, right? If you don't trust that, you won't put on the yoke, right? And so then closing the gap on your trust issue, right? It probably takes getting to know him. If you're not there and you're like, I'm done, I, I, I need to know a little bit more. Amen. Then you can do that. And that's a part of you accepting the invitation. I'm going to ask a couple follow-up questions. That's fair, right? You, I'm going to read the word. I want to know more about who I'm about to follow. And I, and I say this to the teens all the time. Yeah, it's probably hard to just, you know, someone says follow. Okay, you know, you're going to have questions. And that makes sense. And that's healthy. And that's good. But it's identifying if you really trust it or not is important. And do you today, church, do you trust Jesus and his promises? Do you trust that he's going to do for you what he says he can do in the Bible? And how does that change your day-to-day? -day? How does that change how you actually live, right? So the spiritual reality of our predicament, it's, it's not too complicated. We blew it. That's Romans 6.23. Right? The penalty of sin is death. Wages of sin is death. God comes. John 3.16. God so loved the world. Right? And lastly, he calls us. Right? So you see the helicopter with the guy going down? You don't actually have to take his hand. Right? You can say, get out of here. I don't need to be saved. You can say, get out of here. I'm good. I know how to swim. Meanwhile, you're drowning. Right? And that's what happens. Right? We, you know, we're saying, listen, 
All right, I'm going in. You know, God said, oh, they need help. They're drowning. He didn't make you drown. He didn't push you in the water. Like, you did it yourself. You jumped in because of your sin, right, because of our sin. And God's like, but don't worry. I got a plan. I'm going to come rescue you guys. I'm going to send my son. Here we go. And that's where that calling comes. But that call, if not responded to, is equivalent to a hand being reached out while you're drowning. And you're like, no, I, no I'm all right. I'm just going to go. You know? It's like, yeah, it's funny. Why do that? But yet we can do that. And that's, that's pretty much as simple as the gospel message is. It's like God has done his part to rescue us and to save us. But will you reach back out? Will you reach back out for his saving hand in your life? Or will you think, no, I'm good. I can swim. Will you think, no, I'm good. Another boat will probably come in a little bit. Right, where you think, oh, I don't know if I can really trust your hand right now. Your hand looks like it's been through some things. You know, like any kind of excuse that we come up with. And that's, and, and that's our question. Will you answer? Will you answer this call? Are you willing to trust Jesus and trust yourself to Jesus and his word and fight with everything you have, fight with everything you have, to obey his word. You are not going to be perfect. I have to constantly tell this to the team. You are not going to be perfect. You are not going to be perfect. You are not going to be perfect. But are you willing to fight? Are you willing to fight to put Jesus first in your life? And to fight with everything you have? That's the question. It's not about perfection. But where's the fighter in you though? Are we fighters or not? Right? If you're here today, you're here, you're a fighter. You've been through a lot. I know everybody in this room has been through a lot. And we've been in through, a lot, through a lot together. And we're fighters. So take that same energy, take that warrior energy, and fight in your relationship with God. Amen? Amen. Let's fight, church. As we trust and repent, our lives are going to be transformed. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. This, and this, I'm going to jump down to verse 4. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. We put our trust in one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God. This is the call. A call to faith, lordship, baptism. Is that, a, is, is that the call you're willing to answer today? Because that's how you reach back out. That's how we reach back out for this hand. This idea of being worthy of the calling is a very cinematic, uh, I just love it. Because I think that Hollywood has definitely stole this idea of like worthy and the adventure. There's this thing called a hero's journey. Many directors kind of key in on. There's like this big life cycle of a hero's journey. And like Lord of the Rings has used this. And many people, this is like classical kind of literature and directing, but a part of it is um, that, there's a, that there's a call, uh, involves a calling or an invitation to adventure, then there's obstacles to overcome, and there's fulfillment of the calling. It's a very sim oversimplified view of it, but basically you're invited to an adventure, there's going to be obstacles that test you, Are you this is the hero's journey, and then there's going to be a fulfillment of the calling. Often the hero comes from lowly circumstances. Right, which is also interesting. And so where are you today on that journey? Have you accepted the invitation? Why or why not? 
If it's because you haven't been invited, I'm inviting you. I'm inviting you. You can, le you can legit find me after church and say, hey, Pat, I want to study the Bible. It's that easy. If you came with somebody else, you can say, hey, I want to I learn more about this stuff. I'm inviting you. So if you haven't been invited, you consider yourself invited, all right, to this. If you've heard the invitation clearly, why have you still not embarked? You know, too scared? Too worried about what people will think? How your life will change? Do you think you need to be perfect? Do you fear failure? Do you fear letting God down? Feel like I still, I, I want to get to know him better? What's, if it's a clear invitation, what's missing for you? It's important to identify that and figure that out. Because Satan is going to keep using that. Yeah, be scared, be scared, be scared, be scared. Here's more reasons to be scared, right? Figure it out so you can fortify yourself. Have you accepted the invitation, but now feel like, man, it's a little too hard. It's a little harder than I thought it was going to be. There's a lot of sacrifice involved. Has your heart hardened a little bit? Do you feel like you failed? Don't know how to bounce back from failing in your mind, whatever failure means for you? Are you discouraged? Where are you at on your journey? Try to identify where you are on your journey and get help with it because the whisper's right there. The compassion of Jesus is right there, wanting to give you the life that you, I can't say deserve because we didn't deserve it, but wanting to give you the life that he wants for you to have and with all the love that comes with that. You know, just routine kindness, uh, it's tough for me sometimes these days. Like, I don't know, just maybe being home a little bit more. Um, I don't want to, you know, talk your guys' ears off. I was at, but I do want to be open. I was at GameStop not too long ago uh, buying a headset, and, um, and I had, like, this awful experience there, and I, de I definitely sinned, and I wanted to share it with you guys. So I'm at GameStop, and I was buying this headset. I'm like, hey, is this... Is this, the, uh, is this the headset for the PS5? Like, can they talk back and da-da-da? He's like, uh, what does it say? I'm like, oh, man. I was like, it's a pandemic, bro. Like, <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, we need to. <laughs> Sheesh. I was like, okay, no, no, I, I'm, I'm reading it, but it's not, the answer to one of my questions is not on here. He's like, let me see. And he's just something really insane, man. Like, what is this, Twilight Zone? And then, and, then, and then I'm like, okay, how much is it? And then he takes and he holds it back behind the counter, like as if I was going to steal it. And, and he's like, um, I don't know, I just got to do a price check and da, da, da. And it was like this, this constant tension and friction that I didn't even know where it was coming from. And then finally, I'm like, hey, are you all right? I'm not, I don't care if he's all right, though. I don't care. All right. This is a very passive-aggressive Italian move right here, okay? <laughs> I, I joke my Italian family, like, you know, guilt trips are, like, you know, very always available. It's like, if you've ever been guilt tripped, it's like, you adapted the darkness. I was molded by it, okay? Like, I know how to be passive-aggressive. And so I was like, are you all right? You know? He was like, he was kind of freaked out, you know? And I'm like, immediately, I'm like, I shouldn't have said that. I was like... But I'm already committed to this course of <laughs> darkness. And so I was like, I'm just going to buy it. And I left, right? 
And I called my wife, and I was sitting on the I'm like, Lamish, this had a situation. I was like, oh, I feel bad. I'm still in the parking lot of GameStop, and I know what I need to do. I didn't need to call Lamisha. I know I need to go back in there. But everything in me is like, no, this guy's a jerk, okay? Like, I didn't need that at GameStop today. Um, and so I go back in, I come in, I'm like, hey, man, I shouldn't have talked to you like that. My bad. He's like, yeah, man, my bad, too. And we just dapped it up, and we're bros, GameStop bros, you know? So it was like a great victory, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So once again, it's not about being perfect, but are you willing to fight? Are you willing to fight? Don't walk away when we hear God calling us. In Revelations 3, 19 to 22, those whom I love, I rebuke and I discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Whoever has, ear, whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. This is actually written to Christians. So this is, a, this is kind of saying the calling is still here, guys. Where are you at today? You can still respond again. You may need, they in fact did need to respond again. This church had fallen into being lukewarm in this place. And I think that sometimes in our lives we can fall into that. And we might need a new invitation, right, to respond to God. If you think about the story of the rich young ruler, how um, he, he, he wanted to know what he needed to do to be saved. And Jesus said, you know, give up everything you have, sell it to the poor. And it says he walked away sad, right? You know, it is tough being a Christian, and if anybody told you that it's going to be easy, they were misinformed. I'm not going to say they lied. Maybe they were really just feeling the spirit in that moment, right? And like, you know, that's what they meant at that time. But in the course of your lifetime as a Christian, it will be hard. There will be some really hard moments. But you know what's harder? You want to know what's harder is walking away from the Savior. Imagine the rest of his life. Imagine the rest of his life knowing that he walked away from the Savior of the world. Imagine the way he lived. And, and, and some people speculate it's because he had a lot of wealth and the passage says he didn't want to do it. It says that he walked away sad because he had great wealth. Whether it was attachment to the money or something deeper there, I do not know. I think a lot of people walk away these days because of cowardice, though. I think there's a lot more cowardice and fear and how we give into fear more than we would like to admit. Now, I don't know if you've ever experienced cowardice. I remember more things. The things that haunt me are the things I didn't do more than the things I did do. Those are the things that stick with me more than, more than what I did. It's the things that I didn't do. It takes courage to answer the call of Jesus. But a coward dies a thousand deaths. You know, it's, it's, it's everyday thinking, I could have had a different life if I had just responded. And I didn't give, I didn't start caring about what all my friends thought. I didn't, I didn't go into all these fears of all these other things that I've actually fought for it. You know, to live knowing that it could have been different. It takes courage to forgive. It takes courage to not care about what your friends think. It takes courage to challenge the people you love on their spirituality. It takes courage to confess. It takes courage to face your past, to face your fears, to face your doubts, to be vulnerable, 
to share your faith, to challenge someone else's sin. It takes courage to change. It takes courage to put God over your job, over your wife, over your friends. It takes courage to do that. It doesn't take courage to give someone that loves you a piece of your mind. It doesn't take courage to walk away from a friendship or from a family. It doesn't take courage to voice all of your complaints. It doesn't take courage to gossip and slander. It doesn't take courage to check out, and it doesn't take courage to sin. Those are, that's, that's cowardice. That's easy. That's easy. But are you willing to do the hard thing? Are you willing to have courage and answer the call of Jesus? Where is our courage today, church? Where is our passion? Where is our fire? Do you still have it? Do you still have fire? Do you still want to see great things happen in God's church? Or are we just going to pack it in and say it's been hard? Right? we got to still have passion and fire. Amen, family? Let's go. I'm ready. If you guys are coming, I'm ready. We'll do this thing together. And we can, and we can do it for sure because God has called us. And he's going to help us. And just like God called us, guess what? We can call back on him. We can call back on God. God allows us to call on his name too. The same way he called on us, we can call on God and his power and his strength when we need it to accomplish anything we, we need to, might need to accomplish. Set up some time. Do what you need to do. Think about this. Reflect on it. Set up time. Study the Bible. Get open. Apologize. Make a decision to recommit because we're still here and we're still fighting. And I want to do it with you guys. I love you guys. Thank you. This has been an episode of the Southern Connecticut Church of Christ podcast. Please subscribe so you can keep up to date with the latest podcast.